Break out your wireframes and heat up those Git repos. We're ready to tackle topics ranging from accessibility to front-end design, user experience, and beyond. You're listening to the Drunken UX Podcast with your hosts, Michael Feenan and Aaron Hill. Well, hello everybody, and thank you for joining us on the Drunken UX Podcast. This is episode number 116 for June 6th, 2022. We're going to be talking about JavaScript quirks, and I am your host, Michael Feenan. And I'm your other, other host, Aaron, and I have a question for you, Michael. Hi, Michael. I mean, Aaron. Yes. What's the U stand for? Uh, user. Are you sure? Uther, <laughs> you experience <laughs> an old joke, but she checks out, sir. Why? What? What? What does the U stand for? I don't know. I was asking you. Oh, I, okay. I thought you were leading into something, but no. I, I was. I. It was a lot funnier in my head. You were. You were setting me up to fall down. That I was. was set, the, I was setting you up for like joke. like a fun gag and. I didn't pull it off. Right, you didn't so. warn me first is sort of the problem, right? <laughs> uh, I'm sitting here with a slice open underneath my eye because I played with my dog a little too rough. And she said, Michael, back off. And I paid for it. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to be drinking some some whiskey tonight to, to numb that down just a hair. Hey, everybody. What? That's a change. This is uh, the third episode in our series on quizzing each other on different technology. Episode number one was 114, where I tested Aaron on JavaScript. Episode number two was 115, where he tested me on Ruby. And now we're going back to JavaScript, but with another twist. We don't want to just do the same thing over again. So I found a page that had some pretty good questions, at least I thought. And instead, we're both going to do it together. Uh, I'm going to be sort of the smart kid at the front of the class, and Aaron's going to be the... the uh, uh, hooligan behind me who is looking mm. over my shoulder trying to steal my answers. And so we're going to talk through these Distracting things. you because that's more interesting than answering questions. Yeah, well, that po- too. Poking you in the back repeatedly. Throwing like spitballs at the back of my ear. Yeah. Not that that ever happened to as me one, in real school, except that it definitely did. Um, <laughs> so this is going to be from uh, Dmitry Pavlutin's uh, blog. He's got a series of seven questions lined up, and so we're going to look at those. Uh, before we do that, I do want to talk real fast about what we're drinking. So my painkiller um, is not an album by Three Days Grace. It is something a little different. I'm going to show this to you, Aaron, as I'm saying it. It is Amrut. Amrut? Oh. Am- Amrut? Okay. Uh, Indian single malt whiskey. Interesting. Bottled at 46%. Um, it's apparently been produced since the 40s. Uh, I've never hmm. heard of this. I was in our local store, and the owner was like, and I had, I asked him, because um, he's an Indian gentleman, and I was like, I haven't heard of this. And he's like, oh, no, it's very good. Any Indian restaurant you go to, they're going to have this if they're a good restaurant. And, I, and it was cheap. I don't remember what I paid for it, but I think it was under 50 bucks. And I was okay. just like, you know what? Let's just see, you know, Japanese single malt is a thing and it's great. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there are other uh, folks even like here in the States now that are trying to do like variations on the idea of single malt and whatnot. Um, Mm -hmm. So I thought, hey, I'd give it a chance. Turns out it is actually pretty great. Um, Mm. It's not real complex. It's kind of like maybe like a Glenmorangie tin, just a very simple 
young Highland type scotch. It's sort of light and feathery. It doesn't have hardly anything on the nose. That was what struck me real hard with it was, or rather didn't strike me hard when I yeah, first I was gonna opened say, it's it. Not like it didn't strike yeah, you hard. It didn't strike me hard. I had to like bury my nose in the bottle to like hmm. get anything off of it. And it was just like this sort of light floral and like a generic light floral. And the flavor is kind of like that. It's not strong. It's very sort of, you know, yellow grass forward, um, sweet mm-hmm. grass wheats. You know, that grainy flavor kind of comes through a little bit of that just malt funk that you can get. And that's about it. Like, it's not crazy. Okay. It's warm. It's 46%. So it's at least, you know, it does the job. And pretty unoffensive for the most part. I was surprised. Um, I'm going to say, not anything that's going to be like an oh my god favorite, like I mentioned last week with the Glenlivet Illicit mm-hmm. still. I got this in the same batch as that, though. I was kind of on an adventure, so I just got some stuff. But uh, okay. I, I would not not recommend it. And certainly throughout an Indian restaurant, and they have it, I think it's very much worth trying. All right. Um, I have the same as last week, actually. I have the Kilchoman. 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 I thought you come in. Uh, I don't. You were the one who watched the YouTube video. That's one I actually I I don't know the right pronunciation (laughs) on it, so I won't try. I think it was like Kilholman or something. It was was, uh, the accent was on the second syllable. I'm very sorry for butchering your name, uh, Scotch brand. Um, It is good. If if Gaelic didn't want to be butchered, they should have used less vowels and fewer (laughs) weird consonants together. (laughs) I I know the issue with Gaelic was, was. Oh no, I'm thinking of Welsh. Welsh has too many consonants, right? That's the one oh, where yeah. it's just there's there's a law, and I don't forget exactly where this is, but the, in the UK where they have to print their signs in English and Welsh, and yeah. uh, kind of like in uh, Quebec how they do English and French, right. and right. Uh, there's this picture of the sign, and this may be total internet like bullshittery as far as I know, but <laughs> I think it's real. Um, and the signs got the English on top, which is perfectly normal. On the bottom is is Welsh, which there's no possible way for me to read it. But apparently, whoever put in for the translation sent the email over. They got the email back with the translation. They copied it, pasted it in, and printed the deal. And somebody pointed out that the sign says, whatever it says in English, like, you know, so far to this place, take a right, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's, it's a handful of words. Yeah. And the right. bottom says... uh I am out of the office. Please uh, contact me on whatever date. <laughs> so he got an autoresponder in Welsh oh. and copy and pasted it. So, oh my god, that's so great! I mean, it's it's believable. Like I can say, it this could not be. Um, this may not be real, but we know it that happens. Is like brilliant. that is not an uncommon thing, especially with like Chinese. Oh sure. Kids. So yeah, like, sure. The whole like Google copy and paste and things like that uh, is very mm-hmm. real. So it's like I I absolutely believe it would happen. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it seems very plausible. <laughs> um, hey, I want to start real fast with a quick bit of news that is super timely because it was super today. Uh. And at least today, as in when we're recording, which is just ahead of release. Um, if you keep up on your WordPress news, you might have noticed uh, a press release come out from WP Engine today that they have acquired Delicious Brains. Yeah, I don't know who Delicious Brains is, though. Um, they are the uh, purveyors of... Or what? Per, they, are, they are purveyors okay. of... Uh, uh, 
uh, uh, what's the word for like really high end food? Um, boutique? Not uh, not boutique. Uh, oh crap! Premium. Um, high quality, highfalutin zombies. Oh okay. Uh, or humans, rather, for zombies. Uh, you ever watch the show I Zombie? Like, it's kind of like that. I Zombie. Uh, okay. What they also do, though, like on the side, it's kind of a black market thing. They make a lot of WordPress plugins. Mm. Um, so, Delicious Brains. If you if that name sounds familiar, but you're not quite sure where, um, they have a whole list of plugins they make. They've done a WP Offload SES, uh, Better Search Replace, WP Offload Media, WP Migrate, and most significantly. ACF, the Advanced Custom Fields plugin, which if you are a WordPress dev, you probably have touched and used at some point. Um, I've I've used that one before. That's yeah. that's pretty big news. Um, as uh, Delicious Brains was just acquired like a year ago, if my memory is right, by somebody, huh. or or Delicious Brains acquired the people who made. I can't remember the flow. Like it, it's so hard to remember the way all of these things go. But basically, all of this stuff exchanged hands a year ago, and now it has happened again with WP Engine picking them up. Um, hmm. Good, I think, is my initial reaction to that. I I trust okay. WP Engine. Um, without fawning too much, I will preface that by saying I am a WP Engine customer. Um, I use their service. I'm very happy with it. The tools they've built, we've talked about on here, Atlas Content Modeler, the WP uh, uh, Developer Kit. Um, they purchased local by Flywheel and have made it available for everybody. So thus far, WP Engine has not done anything to sort of, you know, abuse the trust in sort okay. of the WordPress space. Um, they've bought uh, uh, Woo Themes, WooCommerce, the the Woo organization okay. is now I've, owned I've by them, I think. Um now I'm trying to remember like all of the different acquisitions over the years. Um huh. Genesis, they own the Genesis suite. Um so there's there's a whole lot going on that they now control. Um so it will remain to be seen. Like this is one of those things that it could get a little hinky. Uh, you know, if they decided to change posture or position on all of this stuff. Um mm -hmm. but I think for the moment it's very good and i think it's good for the plugins i think it's good for the community um and i'll be interested to see what happens with like the pro versions of some of these tools um because that could be very interesting as well if you know if wp engine customers might get access to pro versions out of the box maybe oh yeah um, okay. right now like the, the the current you know news is no news it's basically business as usual for all of the things but right. uh you know down the road I think we could certainly see some changes to that model. So that'll be interesting. And it's going to be something to just kind of keep an eye on. And for now, the, the biggest assurance to everybody is nothing's happening to any of these plugins. They're still, they're still available. If you have subscriptions, those will continue as normal. Um, so this is one of those uh, change without change, I think a little bit for <laughs> now. And, um, but big news, uh, nonetheless, like these things, as okay. they move around, uh, it's kind of interesting to see, over time, what happens to them? So, cool WordPress news to kick off the night. <laughs> okay, so you got your uh, 
your quiz up in front open. of you. It's do we say the title of it already? So so this is seven simple but tricky JavaScript interview questions. Um, these are a couple years old, but as far as I know, they're still pretty relevant as far as that goes. Um, I mentioned I had skimmed it, but I did not pay attention mm-hmm. to the answers. Um, Aaron is not looking at the answers, and we no. may totally embarrass ourselves. And I think that'll be pretty damn funny if that happens. So <laughs> let's see what happens. Um, and let's just kick off with the kickoff, right? So uh, what we got is uh, an accidental global variable. We have a function, okay. foo. Yes. And in function foo, we say let a equals b equals zero. Then we a plus plus, which is an incrementer, and then we return a. Then what they do is they run foo, and then they say type of a and type of b. And what will those b be? Um, um, I, I have the right, initial so- chunk of information, I think. So, <sighs> one of these is easy. Which one do you think is the easiest? A or B? I mean, I would presume A because it's both the first variable named and also it's returned. Okay. So, what is the type of A? Or let's start this, right? Well, what are our type I options would... here that would probably make sense? Oh, God. Uh, number? Like, yeah, number. Boolean. Not a number. Undefined, undefined string, string. Uh, I right. while it's an option, there's no string involved in the function, right? So I, I think we really have three, three types we could have here, right? We could have a yeah. number, we could have a boolean, we could have an undefined. All right. So looking at the title that it's called accidental global variable, I'm presuming that, that the behavior that it looks like it should be, which is that they should both be undefined is perhaps not the case. Um, So let's say that maybe A is a number and B is undefined. Okay. Um, I'm pretty certain on this one that you're backwards. Really? A is undefined and B is a number. What? So here's the question. Do you trust my answer or do you think I'm wrong? <laughs> um I I'm going to trust your answer in this case. Okay. Uh but I don't understand it. Here's here's why I think it is <laughs> so backwards I'll, from what you I'll said. I'll copy your I'll copy your answer onto my quiz. So so here's the thing. A I'm 99% certain is undefined. I'm not a 99. I'm 100% certain A is undefined because keep in okay. mind let is a block scoping declaration. So let A, while we are returning A, we aren't returning the variable A. We're only returning the value of it, which is zero. So A itself, if we call a type of outside of the function, that's going to be undefined every time. Hmm. But here's the thing. B isn't declared. And so in order to execute the the expression let a equal b equal zero oh it has to assume that there is a variable b up the scope and in the absence of one it will create it and as a result it would be a number wow i okay 
and I am correct. That, honestly, that it seems ridiculous, but it seems it's like a Ripley's Believe It or Not thing, right? Like it, it seems so ridiculous that it it's got to be true. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, but no, yeah. So here's <laughs> to, be, to be clear, I have not looked at the answer. I see the answer heading, but I have not scrolled yeah, down yeah. that far. So I don't know if you're correct or not. No, I am. Um, I've already scrolled okay. down here. So it says oh, okay. no variable B is declared neither in the foo scope or global scope. So JavaScript interprets B equals zero as window dot B equals zero. So there you go. Uh, Jesus, man. So little. It seems dangerous. Little funky. Um, That's actually, you know, a good deal to know, too, if you are working with multiple variables Mm -hmm. inside a function. And Mm -hmm. if you aren't paying attention to, like, your hoisting or things like that or where in your code variables are being declared, you can both overwrite variables that you don't expect to or uh, you can create variables that you don't expect to, especially if you're trying to work mm-hmm. inside of something like a private uh, function or something like that of a class. You don't, mm-hmm. you know, you may not want to expose some of that stuff. So, uh, yeah. Wow. Um. Okay. All right. So, Next second one question. Called, array it's length. called array length property. Array length property. And it says... What is the value of clothes brackets zero? So that's index zero, which is the first item in an array. Right. And we have const clothes equals brackets and then a string jacket, comma, and then a string t-shirt, close bracket, semicolon, and then clothes.length equals zero. And now they want to know what clothes zero is. <sighs> so... <laughs> let's let's go the same the same route here, right? Oh. So close is, zero is, can, can be is, could be jacket, could be t shirt, could be neither, could be both. Could be undefined. So then let's it could be it could be not a number. It could be you not know, a number. Why not? Why not? No, that's that's fair. You're all right. It could also be not a number. So let's think about close dot length, right? So we have a property of an array, close dot length. Is that property immutable? Uh, right. Yeah. Uh, so is is close dot length a, like basically a getter only, or is it like a full accessory? So yeah. So if we say close dot length equals oh. zero, is that really, changing the property? If changing, I really want it to be read only. Yeah. I'm I'm afraid it's not, but I really want it to be. Um. Am I am I going to be disappointed? <laughs> So you you look up at my bubble sheet and you see me filling in the bubble for clothes index zero is undefined. Wow. Do you trust me? Do you not? Um you trusted me last time. Yeah. Uh do you want my explanation for why I think it's undefined? Well, I mean, is your explanation that you can in fact set like the length property. Or, yeah, let's let's do that backwards. Let's not go with my right. rationale. You can't ask me during the test. You see my answer. Right. And right. why would you say, if you agree so with me, I, how would you would get to undefined? You? Right. How would you um, justify that answer to yourself? If I If I was presuming that you were correct, then my assumption is that dot length does allow read write. Even though I think that is just ridiculous. 
And so what um, would be happening in that situation if you set it to zero? Then... See, all, all of my assumptions are, are based on, like, JavaScript behaving like a normal programming language. You know, like, I'm, I'm thinking, like, you know, pointers and memory allocation and stuff. And if, you, if you're saying that, like, this thing has zero elements, then it's, like, you know, resetting the, the width of the array. Mm-hmm. Um, is that what happens? Yes. Setting Seriously? the length to zero truncates the array to that length. This shit powers like a lot of the internet, dude. Similar to like <laughs> substringing something. Now, you if you want to have a, a weird thing, now I'm saying that that's my understanding of it. I have not scrolled down to the answer yet. But the reason for this and the thing that will and, and why this stands out to me is because dot length is immutable in different circumstances. So, for instance, while you can set the length of an array to zero, and as a mm-hmm. result, it will truncate it down, if you had, let's say it was a string, let's say clothes equals jacket, length would be five. And if right. you set length to zero, clothes still equals jacket. It doesn't truncate strings. Right. Why why did they let you change the length of an array via that property? Uh, that is not a question that I can answer, dear sir. <laughs> All I can yeah. tell you is that is how right. it works. Huh. Um so and I'm scrolling, yes. And so we are correct. Close zero is undefined because close the close array has been emptied. Um reducing what what they say here uh it, from ECMA is reducing the value of the length property has the side effect of deleting own array elements whose array index is between the old and new length values. Wow. And that's, that is straight out of ECMA 2015. So, uh, yeah. That's wild, man. That one's, that one's a little interesting. I, I think it's especially weird that it truncates on arrays, but not on strings. Um, yeah. The, the difference in behavior there is, is kind of weird and I'm sure there's a reason for it, but, that is that is the case. All right, are you ready to keep going? Are you already hurting? Yes, yes. Uh, no, I'm okay. Okay. <laughs> keep keep with us. I'm, I'm glad you're sitting in front of me. I'll just say that. It gets much. weirder. It gets weirder. <laughs> what is the content of numbers array? So this is called the eagle eye test, and I have no clue why. So okay. we have a constant length equals four. So okay. variable length equals four. We have a constant sure. numbers equals array. Okay. We have a for loop. Ver i equals zero. And then while i is less than the length, increment or, or iterate i, i plus plus. Yeah. And then what it is, is numbers dot push i plus one. Okay. So I think from the last time we did this, you clarified to me that the const like declaration keyword, I'm not sure I'd be able to call that, but it just means that you can't assign something to the variable that's named. 
um, but you can mutate the value or like the, the pro- fields within it. Yes, that is an excellent observation, and I'm I'm glad that uh, it stuck with you. See, you can you can learn. <laughs> I can be yes. taught. Yeah. So <laughs> the fact that numbers is set to an empty array as a constant only means right. it cannot be recast. You can right. manipulate the array. Right. So. Then the for loop looks like it's pretty standard and it starts at zero and but we're appending we're incrementing it by one when we push it. So I'm gonna guess that it is one, two, three, four. Okay. I'll let in an array. You're gonna be so mad. Oh god. This one's dirty. Uh, and uh, listeners, you don't know what the problem is. I just spotted it. And now I understand why it's called the eagle eye test. So we read off the code. To well, hold you. on. Yeah. I'm gonna, yeah. Uh, let me look again. Take a second there. Um, so the, the right. return of numbers is going to be an empty array. That's my guess. Okay. Um... Why, why would I guess it's going to be an empty array? This is dirty. This is this is downright mean. This this should not even be like a oh simple but tricky interview oh, question. Oh god, I see it. Do you see it? There's a semi there's a semicolon after the four. Yep. Yeah. Oh the, the for loop has a malformed expression. So in after the parentheses, but before your curly brace, they stuck a semicolon in there, which terminates the deal. Oh. So the following code never runs. That's mean. So, oh, <laughs> I mean, no, it's, it's fair. Like, I mean, oh. with JavaScript or even PHP. I'm wrong. Uh, you know, I'm wrong. The answer mm-hmm. is an array with a oh, single entry of five. Oh, uh, wait, it's a, yeah. Can you figure out why without, uh, because wait, but doesn't, doesn't I fall out of scope after the for loop is ended? You would think that, wouldn't you? Uh, what did we just go over in that if statement in the first question about Yeah, B? like it presumes it. But it's being declared as a var, though. So it's declared as a, as a local variable to that scope, isn't it? It, no. What? No, no. I mean, by default, yes. Let me, let me rephrase that. Yes, it is being declared with var. But var, that's the difference between var and let. Oh, var is a global variable. If you let uh, i equal uh, zero instead of var i equal zero, yes. Uh, so yeah, so the i, or I'm sorry, the the yeah, the i ends up being scoped to the window, uh, and uh, var declares it globally. So we, but we were correct in that. Uh, Nothing happens on the push uh, in that for loop because of that semicolon. <laughs> but what does happen is the for executes. So the for fires, but all that's happening is it's just looping through i until i yeah, equals four, and then it quits. Right. But now wow. i equals four at the window scope, and the curly brackets basically create the equivalent of just an anonymous function that runs <laughs> – that says numbers okay. dot push four plus one. All right. So if you did if you did either four i equals zero, i less than length, et cetera, or 
for let equals let let i equals zero, i is less than length, or for var i equals zero. Two of those three cases, i is going to be inferred to be a global, right? Uh, I th- I think to what you just said, yes. Oh wow! But that's that's the that's okay. why we like using let so much. Uh, I guess so because let is lets you control that scoping a lot better. Um, and I actually will go back. I said numbers would be. Oh no, yeah, numbers would still. I still would have said numbers should have been empty. Um, I would have said the follow up and the reason why it was empty was because that semicolon would throw like an exception or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so like it's not just ignoring it or whatever. Like it would actively throw an error, but it doesn't. It does run, and it right. results in four plus one. So an array length one with index zero being five. That one okay. So that's the first one that got us. Jeez. I like in the comment, he says, I asked the interview, it was from a job interview. That's where this came up for him. And he says, as the interviewer, what is the reason behind dirty chicks like this? And the interviewer replied, because we need people that have good attention to detail. Oh, yeah, that's oh, terrible. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's funny that you saw that and just read it. Because what was, what did I just say about like, this, this yeah. is not an interview question. Like, this is a bad interview yeah. question. Because it's shitty. Because it, like, it is a trick. It is absolutely a trick. Yeah, I don't like that. I good on him for not going through with that company yeah. because I I think if you're going to like in the interview like you you get like basically one shot to get it right. But in the real world like you know you would run this and it'd be like, "Oh, that's not working. Why is it not working?" And then you look at it like, "Oh, semicolon." Duh. Yeah. And it would and then you fix and it. And it would take you 5 minutes to catch yeah, that maybe. and take care of it. Yeah. Uh Yeah. Okay. Well, I hate the name of the next one already. <laughs> it's it's called automatic semicolon insertion, which immediately me in makes me look at what this code is doing and be suspicious. Right, right. So we have a, okay. a, a function array from value, and it takes a, a, a attribute item, or I'm sorry, it yeah. takes an argument item, and then it does return, and then there's a carriage return. And then brackets item brackets semicolon. From the title, I'm going to infer that because return and item are on separate lines, that there is an an inferred uh, or presumed semicolon on the return statement, and maybe it's undefined. Uh, actually, yeah, I think uh, I agree with you. Okay. I think the return is undefined for that. Yeah, for that exact only- reason. I think at the end of the day, because I I know I've ran into this with with JavaScript and stuff when I'm writing. It's mm-hmm. like I don't have to put semicolons in. The end of a line is a presumed semicolon on those things, unless you like are doing nested if you know you can do if statements and stuff that are like single expression type deals. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, I think what's happening here because as soon as the return fires then it doesn't ever even do anything with the item array that gets returned. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer is undefined. Yeah, uh, Yes, right. for exactly what we said. So it automatically interpolates a semicolon after the return. That means the function is done. The fact that they put the item argument inside an array is irrelevant, does nothing, and is effectively thrown out. I I 
never would have gotten that one if it wasn't for the title. Yeah, the um, the title definitely was a clue on that one. Yeah, especially because it was short. That was a, a pretty short right. example. So it's not like there was a lot of places to look. The indenting also makes it look funny the way they did it. Right. Okay. <laughs> the classic question: a tricky closure. Okay. Now we've talked about closures okay. before. Yes. And about the availability of variables after something has ran. Right. So we have a, a let i. So this time, what do we know about i? Okay. So i is defined as like scope limited, right? Because it's let. So it's limited to only the scope of whatever this block is executing in. Yes. And then you have a for statement and it's i equals zero, i is less than three, i plus plus. And within the block for that, it does const log equals, and then I believe this is the new syntax for an anonymous function, right? Uh, yes, it's, yeah, that that is uh, that returns a value or does right. So, so in this case, the console dot log is like an implicit return. Yeah, so it's, it's const log equals empty parens hash rocket, and then uh, curly braces console dot log i close braces, and then set timeout log comma one hundred. Um, Jesus. Okay. Uh, I, I equals zero, I three, I plus plus. So the obvious answer is that it would log one, two, three, right? That That's what, that's what like they want you to think. Yeah. Or rather zero, one, two. That's what the man wants you to think, Michael. Well, yeah, so we can assume that zero, it's one, not two. that. Yeah. Um, I kind of wonder if like, you know how in CSS, like there's a, a different stacking indices for Z index. Like if you do regular static content versus oh. floating something versus position absolute. Yeah. I kind of wonder if the, the anonymous function if doing a closure here creates a different, like a different scope. And because it's, I is defined with a let statement that means that it's not available in the closure scope. Yeah. I'm really pulling from thin air here. No, no. Uh, you're actually, I, I, think I think I'm on the I think right. I'm probably right though. <laughs> I, I think you're on the the right track there. So what, what do you think the answer is? Let's start with that. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's a good question. Um, I'm going to say maybe undefined three times okay. or whatever console.log undefined would be. Okay. Uh, yeah, so I mean that that would be undefined is is what you get in that situation. Um, you do you sneak a look at, over my shoulder? Are you concerned that maybe you don't fully get what's happening? Or are you going to stick with that okay. answer? Um, what was what was your answer? My answer is three three three. Okay, so I just looked at the actual answer while you were talking. I'm still going to stick with mine because I hate your answer. Am I right? So I must be right. You are. You are correct. Yes. <laughs> okay, wait. You got to tell me why, though, man. Okay. This is messed up. No, no, no. No, it's not. It, it It's one of those things. Like, it, it's weird, but it does make sense um, because we're talking about closures, right? And how, uh, you know, the availability of variables outside of their function calls and things like that. So think about what's happening. First, we let I. So... The i variable is declared inside of whatever block this is. Maybe it's a window. Maybe it's some other function. We don't know. 
Um, but we know that it is declared before the for loop. So that means it's available outside of the for loop. Mm -hmm. What is the for loop doing? Um, this has got me thinking about like, is there like a, like a process stack or something? Kind of. Yes. Yeah. Is it like a, like a different thread for, for closures? So think of it like this. Like is the for, I guess what I'm asking is like, is the for loop completely resolving before the anonymous functions actually? Yes, exactly. Okay. And, the reason for that is because the for loop completes with a set timeout. And so it's saying, hey, in 100 oh. milliseconds, run log. Log is the closure. Right. Log is the thing that's available to you outside because it's been allocated by the for loop. But okay. when the for loop originally runs its three times, it's creating yeah. const log. It's not executing what's in there. It's creating something you can reference. But that for loop, it, it does that three times to no consequence, except that I gets incremented. Then the set timeouts fire, one, two, three. But each time, mm -hmm. it's outside of the for loop that that set timeout's running. And as a result, I, because I is scoped above four, it's set to three. Because Just like the other loop that we uh, looked at where... Uh, uh, we end up with five, right? Because that four, you end up with the last value. And so you're acting on the last value. That's what's happening here. You're acting on the right. three. So, okay. so it's just a case of that log becomes a closure that you can reference outside of that scope because the for loop knew what it was. So you still have, you have yeah. the memory reference there that you can call to. I get but it. But only inside that, like you couldn't do that outside the for loop. If you set that, if you put that set timeout outside your for loop, mm -hmm. then it wouldn't work because it has no idea what log is. Right. All right. Yeah. I guess. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you may not like it, but I mean, closures are no. I closures are nasty I, anyway. Like, I mean, like I get it, and I I think at least I'm I'm not mad that I got it wrong. Like, it seems like okay, this. If I understood closures better, I would have seen this. So this is my own fault. Um, so it's fair. Yeah, no, and th this is actually a pretty nice and lightweight way of demonstrating uh, yeah. how a closure works. Like, it's it's not very complex. So uh, if you did set timeout log comma, like, one, then you might get into, like, a race condition, right? Because... The, the console logs could be happening before or during the execution of the for loop. That's possible. Um, at any rate, that's that. Okay. Last two. We're in the home right. stretch. <laughs> Floating point math. Oh, wait, we know this one. Yeah, that's, it's going to be uh, false because it's like... Point three zero zero zero. Yeah, yeah. So let's we'll walk through it anyway, yeah. just to see what you remember from uh, the first episode. Sure. So point one plus point two equals 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 point three. <laughs> and so yeah, it's going to be false. So yeah, it's uh well, yeah, yeah. It is a a boolean return there. So yeah, it's false. So why is it false? Yeah. 
because point one plus point two is floating point math, and that comes out to being like point three with a bunch of zeros and then a four. Yeah, yeah. So this comes back to this notion that we uh, we're doing math with lightning. We've trapped inside a bit of <laughs> sand that we have compressed, and so <laughs> there are some rounding issues. Um, fun fact on this uh, on this quiz though, he links to a site. <laughs> I love it. It's Zero point three zero 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 a bunch of zeros four dot com. Um, I'll I'll link it in the show notes or something. But there they made a site that is literally the result of that example and share it to explain why that happens. Uh, so that's kind of neat, actually. Oh, interesting. It, in base two in binary, the only prime factor is two, so you can only cleanly express fractions whose denominator has only two as a prime factor. So one over two, one over four, one over eight would all be expressed, expressed cleanly as decimals, while one-fifth or one-tenth would be repeating decimals. So point one to point two, one-tenth and one-fifth, while, while clean decimals in a base 10 system are repeating decimals in base two, when you perform math on these repeating decimals, you end up with leftovers which carry over and convert commuter's binary number into a human-readable base 10 representation. That- Wow. That's a that's a dense explanation that basically means, hey, we have math being done by lightning inside a piece of silicone. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, it, it is interesting, though. This is a very uh, computer science problem, and I think we talked about that last sure. time. That Like, this is not unique to JavaScript. This is a, right. uh, a language problem in general. And it's it's pretty interesting to think that in 2022, we still have not, like, solved the floating point problem, you know, because of the way we store right. data. Um, that's it's that's going to come back and bite us at some point, I'm sure, right? Like, it's going to be like a new Y2K thing. Once we get past the end of C time, when the when the Unix epoch ends, um, then the next thing will be, like, getting bitten by floating point. Math. Yeah, it, it'll be something for sure. And it, it goes back to this idea of, like, how we do math with money, right? Like, we convert everything to cents first. Mm-hmm. Then do all yeah, of our math, yeah. then convert it back to make sure we don't get the Superman three rounding worm <laughs> error uh, or office space if you prefer that one. <laughs> well, crap that right, that's uh, that's short circuiting us to the last question. And um, though I, we're coming up on time here, so um, oh, oh, and we get a hoisting, hoisting question. Oh, great. Okay. What happens if you access myvar and myconst before declaration? So if you have myvar and then myconst, and then later on var myvar equals string value and const myconst equals 3.14 as a floating point number. Um, all right, because it's called hoisting, I'm going to assume that... Well, I mean, if you just type the numbers... I guess it would it would echo back the result. Yeah, it? yeah. In this case, the yeah. thing of it, like you're using it in the in a terminal, or it's got console log wrapped okay. around it. Sure. So I'm gonna guess that you'll see value and then three point one four. I don't think you should though. I think that it should show you undefined for both. That's what I think should happen. <laughs> <laughs> um. I think this one's trickier than they're letting on. I'm actually going to go with both of them being undefined. Okay. 
which feels wrong because that feels like the obvious answer. But my reasoning is, and this is where let's let's see if I can humiliate myself by totally describing hoisting wrong. <laughs> hoisting works with like functions and things like that, but not with a variable declaration. So if the variable, like if if var my var is not set before you try to call my var, then it comes back undefined. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to assume that the same is pro. Okay, no, I'll I'll reverse i think my var is undefined i think my Mm -hmm. const is 3.14 i think the constant gets hoisted because it's a constant but the variable doesn't because it's using the the var declaration and is after you try to call the variable that's what i'm thinking does that sound like i know what i'm talking Uh, about because i definitely don't this time (laughs) so it's whether or not you want to trust me that that sounds dubious um, I I think I'll I'll take one for the team here. I'm gonna say undefined for undefined both. Undefined for both. That's that's what I want it to be. So I'm gonna say that that's what the answer is. Oh oh no. Are we both wrong? I don't know, but they just threw a phrase at me I don't recognize. So they say hoisting is the is the phrase and important concepts temporal dead zones. <laughs> temporal dead zones. What? I've never heard of a temporal dead zone. Um. Okay. Okay, so there, but here's the thing: there is a difference between let and const and var in all of this. So they have a little kind of okay. graphic here. Whoa! Wait. So it's half right. Wait. So accessing my var before declaration evaluates to undefined. A hoisted var variable before its initialization has an undefined value. So it exists, but it isn't set yet. So yes, so we were both right with my var. However, accessing okay. my const before the declaration line throws a reference error. Const variables are in a temporal dead zone until the declaration line. Interesting. So, so I, I, I was, we were both like half right, half wrong. Um, yeah, you were half yeah. right on the undefined. I was half right that the const behaves differently and that var does not, the value of var does not get hoisted up. Uh, right. Wow, temporal dead zone. That's interesting. I've not... Uh, that seems like some bullshit, man. I'll have to look that up and see if that's a <laughs> a new thing out there or, or what. Um, there is a link here that we'll share, too, that um, from uh, Dimitri's own stuff that gets into uh, variable hoisting and all of the sort of stuff that goes along with that, because that's another thing that, similar to, like, closures, can be a little... Uh, difficult to grasp but is very good to mm-hmm. learn for a whole lot of reasons right okay um that wasn't that bad uh no couple, those were actually a couple I, trickies I, I mean they were dirty but i i'll give you that these were good there, there was one that was dirty the the semicolon yeah. one was dirty uh the rest of them were what they were uh i don't know i think the other one was a little dirty too um, but the the automatic semicolon insertion, oh, yeah, that one, I I, I wouldn't have guessed that because JavaScript is so loosey goosey about white space normally, yeah, right? yeah, and and it's um, gotten weirder now that we have you know ES6 and all of this and TypeScript mm-hmm. and all of that where you can go without semicolons. I am a pro semicolon person, um, 
I just am. Like, that's just kind of the way mm-hmm. that I learn stuff, and, and I like the sort of finality it gives to your statements when you're scanning them. <clears throat> um, so... Well, what was your uh, what was the hardest question here as far as like something that seemed fair to you like the tricky closure the one tricky closure that was that was that was a legitimately good like that would be if I had to be give, be given a question on an interview that was challenging that would be a good yeah. one to give it's it's a that because that, that one that one felt like a puzzle it didn't feel like a bullshit yeah. question you know um I'll say that I kind of like that very first question actually. When it comes to uh, the let A equal B equal zero, to under, <laughs> yeah. just because of like it helps you understand the difference between let and ver, and yeah. and what happens when you reference a variable like B that hasn't been defined mm-hmm. yet, but inside an expression, and so what happens there? Like the the behavior of those variables, I think, is another good. Uh, I think I think I like that. That was a nice, yeah. I mean, yeah, that was okay. That wasn't my least favorite one on there. Yeah. I, I really enjoyed, this is the last episode of this run we're going to do. So if you're getting tired of hearing us go through these kind of things, <laughs> uh, don't fret. We will be uh, changing pace in uh, in the next episode. Um, I enjoyed this simply because I, I like the exercise of it. I think there's a lot of value in sitting down and like whatever language you're proficient agree. in, go look up posts. No, I, I, yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, I I clearly learned something. Like the uh, I knew the one thing about the uh, what was the thing with the const, right? Um, where I was oh the, with the array, even though it ended up not mattering because it was a bullshit question. Yeah. But <laughs> but I remembered that though. And you know what uh, <laughs> I what I think it really does too, because um, I have an example of this that like hit me a few years back was. The first time mm. I found out about JavaScript short-circuiting. Um, what? So there's a way of doing things like you can use the the logical and or the logical or um, operators to put up a statement that will be one single line and it will do things. So you could say something like if you said, you know, let x equal 1 and then you could do something like console.log uh whatever the variable name i just said was number or or x x let, let console log you could say x uh or or nothing like the word nothing or something and what it would do is okay. say if x is set then i'm going to show that if it isn't then i'm going to say nothing um and so it's just a way or like a ternary operator, right? You've got ternaries in Ruby, don't oh, you? Oh, okay. What you're calling short circuiting, um, we call it depending on how you want to use it. Um, it's either like uh, memoizing or it's like fall through. Yeah, yeah. And I think there was a question yeah. that was like this in the Ruby episode that you gave me uh-huh. about like true and false. You know, so what happens yeah, then? Yeah. But like to look at like a lot of code written with things like short circuits or ternary operators. A ternary operator is just basically mm-hmm. a way of doing an if else then all in one simple line without a bunch of statements and brackets and all of that. Um, right. So like these, the way you start learning about those kind of tricks, at least the way I learn about those kind of tricks is to take 
things like this little quiz and start testing myself mm-hmm. and see, what do I get right? What do I get wrong? What do I need to look more at? And then eventually you hit one of those. It's like, it's going to throw something at you. You don't know. Um, mm-hmm. And that's how I found out about the, the short circuiting and what, hell, what it was called. I didn't even know it was a thing. Um, but I saw some code like that and I'm like, what? Trying to understand what is this thing doing here when it's, you know, how, mm-hmm. how does it know that it should run this function based on what the statement is? And it's just a case of the way, you know, flow through happens on those, uh, on those expressions that it's like, it's basically just saying if the left hand is true, then do the right hand. Or if the left hand is false, then do the right hand. Um, and so you take what is three lines of code and make it one line. Uh, so it's efficiency. Right. It's, you know, these are the things, and these start to stand out then when you go do your code interviews or developer interviews at other companies, when you can demonstrate that kind of efficiency and the word that I like to use now, idioms, right? That's an idiom of the language <laughs> that shows that you grasp more advanced concepts than a simple if else, you know, follow through. If if else I I think that uh or else if, I think that learning learning language idioms I think is really important regardless of what language you're doing. Um I, I know that uh the at a previous job I was trying to update some React code and I I like really like it was ugly. I mean it more or less worked, but it was very ugly. And I was asking one of my coworkers for a review and he said like he audibly laughed because my JavaScript was dripping with Ruby. (laughs) 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 And I've definitely seen the same thing when like JavaScript programmers come over to Ruby for the first time. There's all these like idiomatic things that they do or like, or Java programmers or PHP programmers. Like everyone has their own little like habits and idioms that they learn from their like, uh, I don't like native language, but like, primary language or like former primary <laughs> um so like and it's i it's sometimes it's fun to play like spot the idiom and look at like how they're writing in something in the language you do and being like hmm i think you're coming from a php background am i right well and i think it makes a difference just like what we've done these last three episodes you know mm-hmm. knowing some of the idioms the way i do while i didn't necessarily use the right words and stuff in some of the ruby stuff like I was able to kind of suss out some of those behaviors. And even right. though the behaviors were a little different in some cases or whatnot, like it, you, you'll become surprised at how not different some of this stuff actually is or how at least easy mm-hmm. it is once you realize what it is they're doing. You may not like it. Yeah. You may, it may bug the hell out of you. But <laughs> it, it does get easy to pick up on real fast. At, at my current job, I'm I am working on an app that involves some GoLang stuff, and um, Go Go is an interesting language, but I I haven't had any training on it at all. Everything I've I've learned from it, I've picked up from my coworker and just like studying it myself. And I can I can get through it. Like I can read something and follow a path and get a rough idea of like where something would need to be changed. Um, but the, the things, the thing that I found is like, you can, when you have enough experience as a programmer, you can look at any kind of program and be like, okay, I more or less can, yeah, understand how it works. I mean, maybe, maybe not going to like assembler or something, but you know, like if it's any kind of like standard 
flow program. You can pretty yeah, much 100%. figure it out. But writing it, writing it though, that's that's where um you like you just have to learn the idioms and I think that's really important. I I think that like idi- idioms are what they are because they play to the strengths of the language and it's based it's like an emergent property from many many people writing it. It's a very nice way of and putting so, it actually. Yeah. It's very complimentary of you given how much you don't like <laughs> JavaScript. So I think that's a good note to end I, on. Uh, oh, I'm going to run. I I really I I hate being the guy that's like, "Oh, your language sucks." And I know that it's just that like I'm used to a different one. And I, I apologize to all of our, our listeners that are, like, big fans of JavaScript. Um, it doesn't sit well with me personally. And I know that I say mean things about it. But that's me, like, immaturely venting my frustration. So I am sorry. <laughs> and with that thought, we will take a quick break and be out of here. I hope you've enjoyed this journey with us as we embarrassed ourselves a few times, probably described some stuff wrong, but helped expose you to the thought process that goes behind problem solving and learning languages and all of that. And I I think that is a worthwhile uh, experience and and use of time uh, for what it's worth. And now I know a little bit more Ruby, too. (laughs) Yeah, congratulations. And you know a little more JavaScript. You remember how some of the stuff went, the the floating point. I I. I will say I legitimately learned stuff, like TIL and I guess last week IL as well. Um, yeah, so you can come and talk to us about all of your favorite programming idioms at Facebook and Twitter's.com slash DrunkenUX or Instagram's.com slash DrunkenUX podcast and come and talk with us and really tell us, tell me how much I've hurt your feelings with all of my JavaScript bashing. Jeez. I'm so sorry. Chuckinux.com <laughs> slash Discord. Uh, and please come and help us get transcripts made up. Chuckinux.com slash support. Yes. <laughs> right? Okay. Or just Patreon.com slash Yes, either, either one, one of those. works. Uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And uh, we've... Got a new change of pace coming up, I assure you, on on that. This has been fun, but it's time to get back to other stuff. I hope uh, you pay attention to the WordPress news and what's happy and exciting going on there. Um, mm-hmm. uh, we've mentioned both uh, Aaron and I have open positions at our company for web developers. If, oh, yeah. Uh, if anybody wants to come and join us or look into what we're doing, um, links are in the show notes to all of that, and you can certainly reach out and ask us any questions. We would be happy to help, and please apply. Uh, we'd love to talk. Actually, to you. I, I know, I know a few other places that are also hiring. Um, so, if you are looking for work, please reach out yeah, to yeah. both of us. Um, I, I like, in addition to my company, if that isn't the that, right fit, that is for one you, of those high like places. networking sort of values yeah. of like getting to know people. Yeah, we always know somebody, especially right now. Right now is a good developer yeah. designer market. So. There's a lot out there, yeah. and, and it always helps having somebody who can, you know, point you in a direction. Definitely. Uh, with that, I guess uh, all I can say is uh, learn your idioms. Go take some tests. Figure out what you can do and, you know, what makes sense. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. wait. Keep, keep your languages close, but your idioms closer. <laughs> oh, I guess I'll let you do that. <laughs> I get you one. You got me. Five seasons in. I get one, finally. (laughs) Folks, bye-bye.
拜。